Welcome, and thank you for being here with me for the Midlife Confidence Podcast. I'm Vana, and rest assured that this messy, unsettling midlife transition you're going through is designed to lead you to create a purposeful life doing things that you love, because a beautiful life starts with a beautiful mind. Welcome. Come on in and join my friend Michael Ann and I today as we do some coaching on a big challenge she's having right now. She's a seasoned teacher who's having a very unexpected and bewildering experience teaching this year because she's moved into a new teaching situation. You'll probably relate to her feelings of loss and disconnection because we've all experienced this in some way through a move or getting settled in a new job or having our kids leave home, all kinds of changes in our life that leave us feeling disoriented for a while. And I think this is interesting because some of us in midlife reach a transition stage where we're feeling unsettled and we're trying to figure out what we want to do now. But confusion can even happen when we already have something that we love doing and we're good at it and we want to keep doing it. But circumstances outside our control change and then our experience changes too. And we have a transition time adapting to all this because the one constant in life is change, right? So I'm pleased to introduce you to Michael Ann McAfee. We're doing a few sessions of coaching on this, and with her permission, we're sharing some of this over the next few episodes. And I think you're really going to appreciate hearing Michael Ann start to see this challenge in a new way. So let's get on with a coaching session, and I'll let Michael Ann tell you a little bit about herself. I've been married for 31 years. I have three grown children. I've taught. My first year of teaching was 1990. So I should have just finished my 30th year, but I took one year off completely when I had one of my kids. Otherwise, I go part-time when I have my kids. So I'm, I'm in my 30th year of teaching. That's wonderful. And I would say that I'm an awesome teacher. What ages have you usually taught? Usually elementary. I've taught second through sixth, but I've spent most of my years in third and sixth. But sixth is is probably, hands down, my favorite age of child. And I love the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So I just moved this year to a new school because Nebo School District went to uh, a middle school model again, which they used to have. And so I teach sixth grade at a middle school now. So sixth graders used to be in elementary. Right. And now it's yeah. middle school. And that's kind of the challenge right now, right? Yes. <laughs> so I could have 35 kids at the most probably in a classroom and you get to know them really well. And I got to know their parents and I knew their needs and I worked to meet their needs and mm-hmm. felt like I did a pretty good job of that. And now I have 218 students. And I am struggling to even always keep their names straight. And so it's been a lot, a lot different. Though I'm teaching my favorite subject, which is social studies. And that's fun. Mm-hmm. I just, I was expecting it to be, I think I built it up to be like this most awesome job ever. And instead, it's definitely still a job. Do you know what I mean? Like, there were times teaching was, you know, more fun than work. 
and then occasionally more work than fun. And mm-hmm. I feel so far, it's been more work than fun so far this whole year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it felt fun, what was different? I love making connections with my kids, my students. So I have children. Those are the ones I gave birth to, and I have kids, and those are the ones I teach. And so part of what I loved about sixth grade was that they were old enough that sometimes those connections were really important to them. Like they would come back to that connection. I'd be invited to their graduations or missionary farewells or homecomings or weddings. I felt like I became enough part of their life that they they would see me and be excited to share what they were doing, sort of. Mm-hmm. And so I really value that. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I should have realized it. It seems like a no-brainer to realize that that was going to go away. But I don't think I realized how big of a deal it was until I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, like before I thought I just, I love teaching the age and I love teaching sixth grade curriculum. And that bond was a bonus. And now I realize that maybe the bond was more essential than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And without the bond, I'm sort of feeling a little bit afloat or adrift in mm-hmm. how yeah. to do what I want to do. So the whole dynamic is different. Yeah. What are some things that you're learning about yourself through this? Oh, that's a good question. One thing I learned was I felt like before I, I knew who I was. I was an elementary school teacher. I was a school leader. I was often, whether I was officially the team leader or not, I was a team leader of my grade level team. And I pretty much felt like I had my finger on the pulse of the school. Like I knew what was going on and how people were feeling. And I knew how to help. And in this whole experience, I felt very helpless and frustrated and not knowing how to help, even myself. And then recently I found out I'm not the only one feeling this way. There's so many of us sort of feeling this sense of maybe loss over Mm -hmm. what we had Mm -hmm. or that sense of we rocked our last jobs. We were so awesome. And now we're feeling maybe inadequate. And so suddenly, and so I thought I was the only one feeling that until I heard some other teachers talking at lunch about their self-evaluation and realizing they didn't know how to do it in our new job. And like, what does that mean? Like, now we were so effective and now we're not. In the yeah, eyes that's of That's a great question. Like, what does know? that mean? What do you think it means? What does it mean about you personally? And what does it mean about the other teachers? I think it means that we need some extra training mm-hmm. in how to deal with this new, this new job. Mm-hmm. That it is different enough that you, I mean... I think my principal chose amazing teachers. I have not met one teacher there that I thought, "Mm, why did you come here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Really skilled, gifted people. And I think we're all feeling it. There's three social studies teachers at my school. And this was a seventh grade social studies teacher. And she was telling me that a lot of teachers on her floor had been talking about, oh my gosh, I'm not sure I made the right choice. I may want to go back to elementary. And Mm -hmm. that thought had never crossed my mind. But it just, again, solidified in my mind that I wasn't the only one feeling lost Mm -hmm. and not sure how to fix it because I'm a fixer. I fix kids. Mm -hmm. But now I need some fixing so I can fix the kids. (laughs) Or maybe I need to readjust what my definition of my job is. I'm not sure. Uh Uh-huh. 
And so it's frustrating to always feel like I'm falling short of who I used to be as a teacher. Mm-hmm. How could it be that you still are the same amazing teacher as you've always been? I think I am. Mm-hmm. But I also think there's some things I used to do that I don't know how to do in this new job. Mm-hmm. And that's the more personal touch of really connecting. And I know there are a few kids I've connected with, but, you know, still there's yeah. so many kids. And I guess I have to accept that I can't connect with 218 children. It's just not mm-hmm. possible. Whereas in a regular school year classroom in elementary with 35, I felt like it may take work. But I was going to find a way to connect with all 35 of those kids. Yeah. You know, I could go to a soccer game or a basketball game or a volleyball game. I've been to all those things. But with 218, I don't even know where I would start. Well, let's go there. Like now that you have 218, how could you redefine what it means to connect and feel like you're actually connecting with most of them? So, I don't know, maybe making them... I do know that most kids like my class. Mm -hmm. I have had a lot of kids tell me that I'm like, this is one of their favorite classes and that they think it's fun. Why do you think they say that? Well, because I'm kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) And sixth graders are weird too. So so I do a time travel theme Mm -hmm. and Chris built me a, we, we just built up a whole story about the time machine. We had a time machine. And of course, I mean, I told the kids at the beginning, look, I obviously know we're not really time traveling, but we can make this year really boring or we can just have fun with it. Mm. We're going to go through history, so we may as well time travel. And so, you know, they want to have fun. So we turn off the lights and we turn on the machine and it lights up and vibrates and makes noise and makes all these sounds. And then Mm -hmm. we have the lights around the door start blinking really fast. And then we have the TV that goes on and it shows us like going through time and space, Uh and then they leave the room. And when they come back in the room the next day, all the decorations in the room have changed to what new time period we're in. So I spend like two hours after school taking everything down and putting everything something new all up. And I'm in costume that day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, obviously it's just meant to be silly. Mm -hmm. And so now we have a new time machine, which is very cool. And we time traveled yesterday. So we'll arrive Monday. And a lot of times when I'm teaching, I'll make a joke like, well, you guys do remember all those hours we had to walk to get here. You know, we were in this place. Now we're in this place. Don't you remember? Mm -hmm. You walked all weekend and a lot of you complained. You know, so I just kind of keep it up as a silly way of that we're in a different place for my class. And they think it's funny (laughs) and weird. But I think they'd rather have funny and weird than boring. Listening to Michael Ann, I know you can sense what a creative, committed teacher she is and how important it is to her to feel connected with her students. Don't you wish all your kids had had Mrs. McAfee as their teacher? And you can also hear how disorienting and unexpected this new situation is. She feels lost. She feels like what worked before isn't really possible for her anymore. And you can kind of see it chipping away at her self-concept. She feels a little inadequate and falling short of who she used to be. None of us like to feel powerless or unprepared. I feel like Michael Ann did a really great job of explaining what is going on for her. And since the connection with her students is the main thing that feels so off, let's dive more into that part of it. 
So when we think about, like you've used the word bond and connected, what makes a connection? What makes a relationship? Hmm. I think caring about each other is what I've always sort of defined it as. Mm -hmm. And maybe even a degree of feeling like, like I always wanted my kids to feel like they could come to me with a problem and we could problem solve together and, you know, mm-hmm. resolve an issue, set goals, or maybe feel a real sense of safety and belonging. Mm. How do the kids in your class, even as it is, they come in for 45 minutes every day? How could they still feel safety and belonging and know that you're someone that they could go to if they had a problem? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like... Yeah, what gets in the way of thinking that? Well, maybe I, I feel a lot more frustrated personally. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for example, fifth period. Sorry, fifth period. If you ever listen. <laughs> They'll <laughs> never my, hear it. <laughs> they're my hardest class right now. Mm-hmm. And they come right after lunch, and they're a lot noisier and squirrelier. Mm-hmm. And I feel just almost on guard when they come in. Uh-huh. Because, like, they drive me a little bit crazy. Yeah. And so they've got to feel that. And so I feel like in that class, the bond isn't as strong. Right. And it's because you feel differently about them, yeah. right? And I and feel like they've got to feel differently about me. Mm-hmm. And then I th- maybe it is a lot of my own feeling because I know that just little things that I felt in control of before, I don't feel as in control of. I just feel like there's a lack of respect mm-hmm. that I hadn't quite felt before. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how... I feel like that might be my own personal barrier mm-hmm. to bonding with them because okay. it's hard to know. I guess I just need to realize it's just not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And I've got to stop expecting it to be the same. And so maybe it's my own expectations uh-huh. that are getting in my way. Yeah. It's funny. Before now, I had a lot of answers. <laughs> but now after this conversation... I mean, I have a feeling I already know the answer to how do I connect with 218 kids. I think the answer is you don't. Let's go back to the how do you connect with 218 kids. Let's unravel them a little bit. So one way to look at it is that you don't connect with 218 kids, but how do you feel when you think that? Makes me feel sad Mm -hmm. for the kids that don't get the connection. Mm -hmm. So how could you think of it in a way that Well, how do you want to feel about the kids you teach and the relationship you have with them? I want to love them. Okay. I used to start every school year when I had 36. I would pray with a list of names in front of me, and I would just literally read their names to God Mm -hmm. and say, please help me to connect with and know the needs of, and I would just go through each student. Mm -hmm. And I haven't done that. Maybe that's part of my problem. I mean, because 218 seemed like a big, long prayer, but maybe maybe God's waiting for me to say a big, long prayer. <laughs> or how else could you do it um, now that you have a different circumstance with the kids? I mean, I don't have to actually say their names. I felt mm-hmm. like that made it more personal. Right. And I do pray all the time that I will know how to meet the needs of my students. Uh-huh. But somehow I felt like once I said their names... It made it a different connection. Yeah, I can see that. Between me and God, like he knew mm-hmm. I cared about that one. But I do, I want I want them to feel valued and I want them to feel safe. Mm-hmm. 
What would it look like or feel like to go to school every day and as every class starts, just feel full of love for the class, all of them? Different than what I'm doing now. How would it be different? Well, I feel like I start that way for first period. (laughs) And then pretty much for second period too. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like it wears off. You know, the hard thing is, is we're supposed to, like, we teach, and then we instantly are out in the hall on duty. There's no minute to regather ourselves. Like, as the kids Mm -hmm. leave, we have to be out in the hall, right there on duty, and as they come in, we're the last ones in closing the door. And so it kind of feels like there's no minute to to regroup. Mm -hmm. Do you think the kids maybe feel that way, too? Yeah, maybe. Maybe we need to take a... Maybe all of you need a minute. Went to the even beginning just of your even, class. Yeah, just we're going to take a minute. Mm-hmm. I could say a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not something to think about, too. Mm-hmm. This is good. I hadn't really thought, you know, once I realized all the other teachers, not all, but a lot of them likely felt the way I felt. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't really thought about how much. I mean, at, at first I did. I was so worried about eleven or 1,200 kids coming to a place that was new with teachers they didn't know, administration they didn't know, a building layout they didn't know, mm-hmm. procedures they didn't know, and most of the other kids in the building they didn't know. But it's it's like, you know, after week three or something, I just sort of moved on from that. Uh-huh. And yet I bet there's a lot of kids who haven't moved on from that. Yeah. And you just want to love the kids, and that is 100% in your control, right? How you feel about the kids. And it comes from what you're thinking. So if I were to think about a particular student that pushes my buttons a lot. Mm-hmm. I have realized recently I don't have very charitable thoughts about him. Mm-hmm. If his name comes up, it's something I'm like, oh, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, of course he did something like that. Or of course he's suspended or And those aren't the kinds of thoughts I want to have. And if he had been in my other class before, I would have probably already been at his house meeting with his mom and dad or or mom or whoever. You know, I don't even know the circumstance. Uh And now as we're sitting here, I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder what what he's trying to get out of this. Right. Because that's what I would have been before. But now it's like Uh, I almost give myself permission to not think those thoughts because there's just too many. uh Uh-huh. But maybe I need to find my 35 that I just need to think those thoughts about more carefully. Does that sort of make sense? Like, I have 218 kids, but Uh out of all of them, they all need to be loved. But there's probably only 20 or 30 or 35 that really need extra. Mm. Maybe I should figure out who those are and work on that. How does that feel when you think about that? That feels better. Uh feels more like the me I was before mm-hmm. that I felt sort of just was adrift right now, not knowing how to fix it. Yeah. And so maybe I need to adopt more of that attitude out of my 218. That Find a way. less overwhelming, does it? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. What are some other ways you think you could bring more love? I love need to do more them. mental preparation. Uh-huh. For example, on a Sunday before the week starts, do more like consciously preparing mm-hmm. in a positive way for my week rather than, I don't know, sometimes I think I've gotten to the point where I'm like 
dreading it. Like, oh, I have to go to work tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I never felt that way. I know a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. I've always loved my job. And so to feel that way this year, I almost feel like maybe I'm building it into a bigger, it's this little tiny molehill and I'm making it the mountain because of my perspective on it. Mm -hmm. You know, a molehill will look like a mountain if you lie down and put your face on the ground. You know? (laughs) Um, So you want to love the kids and you also want to love going to work like you used to. Yeah. Yeah. And so finding ways to make you know to make that so uh-huh how do you feel right now do you feel like you're starting to see some direction in yes. how you could feel a little less helpless and yes well yeah. i kind of felt like i was buried uh-huh. under this big pile of dirt or something and now i feel more like i'm in a tunnel but i just couldn't see the light and now uh-huh. there's this little light down there uh-huh and you know, because when you're buried, you even feel like you can't breathe. Like, I just felt like, I don't know, it had become this heavy thing. Yeah. I'm going to probably cry now. It's okay. Sorry. There's Kleenexes right there. <laughs> I love my job. And I love my kids. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I get to love their parents and, and maintain relationships with them because, mm-hmm. because I really do love these kids I teach. And I just felt like I'd lost it this year. Mm-hmm. And I lost my love for teaching. And that's not what I want to do. I mean, I love to teach. I always have. Mm-hmm. And so some days I just felt like I couldn't even breathe by the time the middle of the day came. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, I hate. I didn't hate the kids. I didn't hate what I was teaching. But I hated something about it. The word hate is real. Like, I really, there was just something about it that just dug into my soul or something. It made yeah. it so hard. Uh-huh. It's okay to realize that this is a loss. Like, you did it a certain way, and it worked really well for a long, long time. It was working for you, and it was working for kids, and you were a big part of the school. And I could go back. I mean, uh-huh. I know that. hmm any number of principles would take me back because I have a reputation for being really good. Uh-huh. But I don't know if I want to go backwards. I just uh-huh. want to learn how to go forward. Yeah. You know, I've invested yeah. a lot of money and time <laughs> in this new phase of my life I was so excited for. Uh-huh. And maybe that was it too. You know, like if you go see a movie and everyone's told you how awesome it is and so you go and you expect it to be so awesome and you're just like, well, that was fine. <laughs> like maybe I built it up so much, uh-huh. but man, it was just a drudgery. Well, and having some compassion f- just for the situation because it's new for everybody involved. Like for sure, there's going to be some element of chaos, uncertainty. Yeah, like you said, the people haven't settled and created yeah. new connections and. Yeah, all of that is natural to feel really hard, right? You didn't expect it, probably. No, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I just wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not us that's broken, it's the system. And I think you've pointed out some weaknesses in the system, right? There wasn't the training that could have helped all of you. So just realizing 
this is all natural. Of course, you don't know where you fit in yet. <laughs> and of course, you don't know how to connect with 218 kids. You've never had to do it before. And, yeah. And they didn't really train you to, right? Well, maybe it's not a problem of every teacher either. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, we've all known the teachers who are fine. Uh-huh. They teach well, but they don't, they don't connect. Mm-hmm. And so maybe their issue is more management than anything. Yeah. But... That's not just not who I am. So I feel like I'm uh-huh. so frustrated, but this has been yeah. very helpful today to think about. Give me some yeah. thoughts of what I can try. Mm-hmm. So what stands out to you right now? What you want to maybe start focusing on this next week that I can help? I want to, first of all, let myself off the hook a little bit to say, I mean, like you said, of course you wouldn't have known how to do this. Yeah, I think I never thought of it that way. Like, mm-hmm. of course I wouldn't know how. Um, but I also want to put myself on the hook because I said it's probably not possible to connect with 218. And I loved how you very carefully pulled me back from that to say, mm-hmm. you know, but how could you? Mm-hmm. Are you sure it's not possible? You know, what does that look like? Because at first, mm-hmm. I mean, that would just let me off the hook if it's impossible. Yeah. I think before I even choose, like I said, uh, even any kids to really work on, though, I do have a few in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to take some actions just for myself. Mentally preparing myself differently, maybe incorporating, even if it's just every other period. Mm -hmm. So even if first period doesn't even know we ever do that, but second and fourth or maybe fifth, (laughs) you know, just at the beginning, we're just going to have a minute of silence Mm -hmm. where we all just pull ourselves together and process for a second, you know, what we've been through today so we can be ready to learn something new or, you know, something where... Where I come in from lunch earlier and have a little time to say a prayer or, you know, something. Because I feel like my afternoons are really hard. And when next semester I'm going to have three classes instead of two after lunch. Uh Like, it's a little (laughs) overwhelming. So action would be mentally prepare Sunday. Maybe even a mental preparation routine each day. I don't know. I'd have to give it some thought to see what that would look like. So that was just some of the highlights from our first coaching session together. We talked for over an hour, so if it sounds like pieces are missing, you're right. There was a lot more to our work together than you got to hear, and you'll get to hear some more of that in future episodes. Just listening, don't you get a sense of what a great teacher she is? How awesome that these middle school kids get a teacher who cares so much and really wants to connect with them. Her deepest desire as a teacher is to love them and truly be a source of help and safety for them. And I thought it was very tender that Michael Ann hadn't really thought to give herself permission to be confused and to be figuring this out, to be compassionate with herself in this situation when it's really so clear this is totally normal for her to feel this way. Especially because it's early on in the school year, they've just finished the first term at a brand new school with all new teachers and new kids. So of course it feels messy and disorienting right now. Also, we can see why Michael and expected to succeed at this based on our past. And we all need to allow ourselves space to level up in new situations with some compassion for ourselves, understanding that we need to keep learning and that it's messy and it's not a nice steady line progressing up. It's got dips, but the trend is up. So being aware of any self-judgment, like we think we should already know this and it should be easy. We are, after all, grown-ups with lots of life experience. 
But sometimes we do well to start over with a beginner mind, even with all the life experience that we have. Do you get the sense that she feels like she was thrown into the deep end of the pool and is drowning and feels like she doesn't have anything to hold on to? Of course, that feels scary. So our goal is to help her feel like she knows how to swim and even has a life preserver she knows she can grab onto when she needs some extra support. And that then she really starts to enjoy the pool and to feel graceful and confident swimming again. Like she said, she doesn't really want to go back. She wants to go forward and master this new opportunity. I really love this path that she took from thinking she couldn't possibly connect with 218 kids to starting to open up to the idea that there might be different ways to feel connected. And she started to redefine what connection looks like in this middle school situation. You know, so much of managing our life experiences in a healthy way is asking ourselves questions, questioning the thoughts that our brain suggests to us, questioning the assumptions that we are operating from, and questioning if there's a different way to think about something that would feel better and help us get what we really want. Notice how when Michael Ann slowed down a bit, she started coming up with some really great insights and solutions. So she's starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel, and I just love that. She's starting to shift out of overwhelm and into possibility, opening up to new solutions, like focusing on 30 kids who need more attention instead of all 218, like taking a minute to get centered and grounded at the beginning of a class, and like mentally preparing more on the weekend and maybe even each day. And there were more ideas that we talked about that you didn't hear today, but I just love how she started coming up with her own solutions as she talked. Really, so much of the wisdom is already in us, ready to be invited to come out and join the party. Coaching allows us space to explore our thoughts and our feelings and our ideas, and it really does help so much to have someone paying full attention with acceptance of where we are and just allowing us to say whatever comes up and maybe offering deep questions to guide us here and there. So I hope that some of the things you heard today are kind of helping you look at maybe some assumptions or things that you think can't be solved in a new way and start asking yourself some questions. Be peaceful, be powerful, and love your radiant heart. And remember, I offer one-on-one coaching for women in midlife who feel a little lost, and I help them find themselves and live a purposeful life. It's really, really important. You can get in touch with me anytime by emailing me at vana at midlifeconfidencecoach.com or learn more at midlifeconfidencecoach.com or follow me on Instagram. I'm at Vana Davis. All of that is in the show notes. Take care until next time.